Oh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it's your buddy Gavin, filibuster freestyle, 10 o'clock here in the east on a Friday night, which means we're waiting on our buddy Jeremy Johnson on the west coast, man cook good, kitchen quarantine, what I believe is part 10, uh, which means I believe we are somewhere around day 77 of quarantine living. Jeremy might be about day 80, 81, I think he's a few days ahead. Anyway. Philbusterfreestyle.com, Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts. List goes on. Follow the show on Instagram at filibusterfreestyle on Twitter at FB underscore freestyle, aka filibusterfreestyle.com is searchable as well. Appreciate everybody listening. As always, um, today's topic, uh, Jeremy's food choice is actually still undecided as of me recording this intro. So I will be as surprised as you for what type of food and cuisine discussions Jeremy and I have following the theme song, which is coming up right about now. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster Watch freestyle. Watch out for the filibuster. 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 Filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. All right, ladies and gents, as promised, Jeremy Johnson joins us from Los Angeles. Jeremy, how are we doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, up in Adam, this is uh, unlike our normal uh, routine. I'm drinking coffee with our podcast. And, uh, nice. You are up and not at the end of your day's uh, energy reserves. So a um, little, little slightly different vibe here in the, in the Subaru sound booth. Absolutely. Being, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Subaru Spawn. Subaru Sound Booth, the official sponsor of Man Cook Good. Jeremy Johnson, Kitchen Quarantine. Just to catch the listeners up because they're probably like, I listened to the theme song. It was sorry, I listened to the preamble. It was Friday night. I heard the theme song, and apparently it's morning. It, that's literally the case. Jeremy and I were not able to go last night, so uh, yeah, a lot has changed since the theme song was laid down on this track. Um, so much so that uh, there was actually a giant seven alarm fire two blocks from my house here in Boston last night. Seven. Seven alarms. I can literally see firefighters on the roof. Like 50 yards from here because um, it, it spread from where it was to, to kind of closer up the block. Um, it kind of kitty cornered Columbia Road, which is kind of faces the beach uh, in Southie and Doug- Douglas Street, which is like a little street. But it started on Columbia Road and then L-shaped its way up the street that kind of abuts ours, East 8th Street. So, yeah, I can see firefighters right now. Um, Cindy woke me up at 4 a.m. and said, I think we got to go. And then we looked outside, and it was raining out and windy out. So between the, the wind and the rain and the darkness and the smoke, we had no idea where it was coming from because there are fire trucks and police cars everywhere. So, again, everybody who heard me speak <laughs> at the beginning of this pod, <laughs> it's like uh, 12 hours later, and a lot's gone down. But seven alarms, some firefighters were injured, taken to the hospital. I hope they're okay. It sounds like about 40 people lost their homes. That sucks. And um, that's the issue with these triple-deckers, even if they're condos. They're still triple-deckers. And there's still, you know, three homes per building. And every building, if it doesn't directly touch, you've got about four or five feet in between buildings. So thoughts go out to those folks. And... um, 2020's already been bad enough, and uh, for those folks, it just got worse. It sucks. So, tough, tough start to the morning, but the energy is different relative to how tired I usually am. So, I'm excited to be able to be lucid, talk to Jeremy Johnson about food, 
things like that. Jeremy, will you indulge me in some places listening? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. Care to take a stab on the number one country and city listening in the world this week? Uh, it's got to be Paris. Paris, France, Viva la France, Trebian, Merci beaucoup. Absolutely correct. So this week, though, upset special, the second most uh, listening to this freestyle place in the world is Dublin, Ireland. So oh, that's great. top of the morning to you over there. Absolutely. Um, followed by uh, internationally, Toronto, Malé, which is the capital of the Maldives, Lyon, France, Barcelona, a place called Weingarten, Germany, Brasilia, the cap- capital of Brazil, and Sydney, Australia, all checking in. Here in the States, Boston, Springfield, Providence, Philly, Kansas City, Los Angeles, and many more. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Jeremy, I broke it down. At least 10 different time zones listened last week. I've never broke it down that way, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. That's a good way to do it. So I'm not going to say the sun never sets in the filibuster freestyle, but, you know, pretty damn close. Yeah, you're getting there. You're approaching British Empire uh, status. And then I went down a, um, a wormhole in Wikipedia and... Though this is obvious, I obviously want to confirm for folks, too, that the continent of Antarctica technically is in every time zone. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's good to know. So it's you know, be confusing because, you know, depending on which wedge of the pie you're in, yes. you're making appointments. Uh, I think you just got to kind of settle on one, right? Yeah, so basically, um, yeah, there are like there are a zillion different time zones. There are actually about nine time zones in Antarctica that, like, are claimed by the countries that have, you know, claims and shreds of Antarctica. But, it, you know, if you ask, yeah, what time is it in Antarctica, there, anybody could give you any answer and they'd be right. What time is it? <laughs> Game time. That's well, how, I'm not sure. Uh, where are you exactly? That's how the penguins and the polar bears uh, tell time. So anyway, this week, we are going to keep the grill going. But this week we also have uh, You're going camping Which is great You can tell me more about that in a minute But So we're going from grilling outside of one's home To going to the great outdoors And likely cooking over an open flame And my guess is we're going to talk marinades, JJ Because you can't marinate everything out in the great wide open, right? Yeah, you know um, Marinades are great They, They really are useful Especially for grilling It helps you pack in a lot of flavor And it helps you um, tenderize some cheaper cuts of meat. That's um, kind of what when I get into marinades mostly is uh, when it's a cut of meat that isn't uh, super high quality. Yeah. So um, the marinade will break down the um, the proteins and, and uh, break down some of the connective tissue a little bit and just soak the whole thing with flavor. You don't have to worry so much about like being medium rare. And you know, for for cuts like that, you're not trying to cook a yeah, I, I would have marinated like a beautiful, uh, you know, dry aged New York strip. You know, you let that thing stand on its own. It's got its own flavor, and you just salt and uh, heat and eat it. But um, when you're trying to feed a crowd or um, just want different types of food, uh, marinade is a really nice way to pack in some flavor. I've mentioned one on this uh, podcast before that is my pretty much standard go to that. I've been enamored with since I was a child and my aunt made these uh, T-bone steaks with it. Um, that's basic based on soy sauce, Worcestershire, um, garlic, scallions, and ginger. Um, 
and it's lovely and you can use it for chicken pork all these marinades are 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 viable for pretty much any meat and um in certain applications on vegetables too you know uh but marinades tend to be really overpowering and and because you're you're cooking off a lot of it and it's soaking through meat but they are basically follow um similar guidelines there's some sort of umami um like a soy sauce or a vinegar or um, things that are like onion powders and things like that. And there's often something kind of sweet, like a barbecue sauce or a honey or uh, maple syrup. And then you get into the seasoning, which is just, you know, a way to guide something. You know, for instance, like, do you know how to make teriyaki sauce? Do I personally yeah. know? Yeah, you've eaten, you've eaten teriyaki sauce your whole life, right? You get it at, you know... Wherever it's a very popular sauce. Yes. Did you know that teriyaki sauce is basically just soy sauce and brown sugar with like you know you could just have teriyaki sauce it's just soy sauce and brown sugar. Hmm. That's it. Did not know that. Now, if you want to add some ground ginger and some garlic, some pepper, yeah. Yeah, make it your own, right? You're rounding it out. You're you're making it um, a little bit more dynamic, but at its purest form, um, teriyaki is just soy sauce mixed with something sweet. which would explain why we have uh, so many dishes from sugar-producing regions that um, are known for their sweet uh, teriyaki-style marinades and glazes. Makes total um, sense. An abundance like of Hawaii, sugar. for instance. Yeah. Yes. And you've got the mix of the, the local ingredients with the, the, Asian, um, the Asian immigrants and influence, and you end up with a sweet soy sauce-based marinade. So, you know, next time you're thinking you want to make... Um, you want some teriyaki chicken or teriyaki tofu or whatever you want. Instead of going to Trader Joe's and spend six bucks on something that's loaded with corn syrup and this and that and the other thing, um, just make your own. Yeah. Just pour some soy sauce into a, a, a bowl or a bag and um, and put in some brown sugar or sugar or maple syrup or um, honey until you get um, a flavor that you kind of like, and then. Maybe you add in some ground ginger. Maybe you add in some some finely diced ginger. Maybe you do garlic powder or garlic, um, you know, that's been chopped up. You've got yourself a teriyaki marinade that you can use for pork, for chicken, for beef, for whatever. Um, you know, things like, uh, you know, the cilantro lime, which is like, it seems like, I don't know how that happened. I guess it's just the American nod towards the Mexican, um, the mild Mexican marinade. But yeah. It's literally just lime juice and cilantro, salt and pepper, and some olive oil. <clears throat> All just things we usually have readily available, maybe sans the cilantro, but, you know, that's still very readily gettable, acquirable. Like, when I talk about how, like, the food I make is pretty simple, and then I've had people, like, call me out on um, Instagram and be like, your food's unsimple, it's crazy. I'm like... <laughs> it, it is simple. It's, it's very simple. It's just I make a lot of the elements from scratch and people aren't used to doing that right and um you know and and i kind of mix and match with some flavors and textures and ideas but i'm not doing anything that's super super complicated i'm just mixing up ingredients that most people have in their kitchen and the, the amount of time it takes is not that much longer than doing it um than buying it from the store and pouring it into a bag yeah of course i'm i'm happy to uh jump into that uh from time to time, especially when I had a job, but for yeah. the most part, I just make my own, you know, um, 
another nice thing with marinade, like I do, I do, um, now here's a pet peeve and a grilling topic <laughs> is kebabs. Oh my God, okay. kebabs. The, the American kebab. What do you got against kebabs? The mushroom, the onion, the zucchini, okay. the summer squash, the big chunk of sirloin that you can barely gnaw through. Um, like all those things take different times to cook. So that's true. In, inevitably, you're gonna you're gonna obliterate um, <laughs> half of the things on that skewer, or not cook the thick, dense thing enough. In every other culture in the world, a kebab or a shish is all the same ingredient on a stick yes. cooked over a smoky fire. Yes. Um. So, like, do that. Take a resilient cut, like a uh, chicken thigh. Or um, I love to take pork chops, uh, real nice uh, pork chops, and cut them and put the, the strip of fat that goes around the outside, the cap of the loin chop, and put them all on one side. So then I can start that on the top so the fat renders down through the meat. Exactly. And at the very end, I put that on the bottom so then that just kind of like blisters and pops and gets like super nice. But if you put like an aggressive amount of salt on um, – on, that meat in like a bag or a bowl with like some chopped um, red onion or onion at all, uh, some paprika, some uh, some cumin, uh, maybe even like a, an herb, like a parsley or something, and you let that sit for even like a half an hour. You don't have to marinate for sixteen hours. You, oh. you can get a lot out of a marinade in just ten minutes. Yeah, right. Um, and and it can take something that like. You know, like a, a piece of top sirloin or or a low grade cut, it, it's it's kind of tough to coax a lot of flavor out of it because it doesn't have a lot of fat in it. They're very lean. They're kind of tough to eat. If you don't cut them right, then they're they get to be a little chewy. You hit them with a little bit of a marinade. It cooks through easier. You don't have to worry so much about the temperature. You can kind of overcook it because it's so juicy with all the juice that's been absorbed into it, and then you get all that crispy craggy charred bits and you know nuggets of deliciousness um all around the outside if you're doing something with a sweet like a honey or a maple syrup um i wouldn't do that on something that's going to take a while to cook i do that on like thinner quick cooking things because that will burn um the the alternative to that yeah, yeah the alternative to that is to like just whip up like a quick little um like slurry with the sugary stuff in it so that when you put it on the grill, you're adding it to the uh, to the meat without um, having it be absorbed into it. So you're getting all that delicious uh, caramelization and uh, light burning of the sugars, but it's not completely infused through the whole dish. Um, I've done a, uh, a pork belly skewer where um, instead of marinating it, you make the marinade and then you braise it slowly in the oven or on the stovetop. So cook because pork belly is like a thick, very fatty, difficult to cook without making it rubbery um, in its like cubed form. So you cook it in a seasoned liquid like a soy sauce based marinade very slowly, low and slow on the stovetop or in the oven until it's done. Like you could eat it. It would be delicious. But then you take it off, let it cool, put it on skewers, and then you brush like a honey sriracha on it. Damn. Um, that that's the good. kind of dish you could start a restaurant over, you know. <laughs> and, and that's the kind of thing that it goes towards what I was talking about last week where you're, you're 
you're pre-boiling, you're parboiling, you're, you boil things or cook them ahead of time until they're almost to temp. And that way you can just hammer them with heat right at the last minute to get all that delicious browning and charring and everything. But you're not worrying about feathering the temperature inside it so you don't completely overcook it and make it crap. That would be Um, bad. (laughs) So when you're making skewers and and, and kebabs and stuff, just, you know, like buy, buy like a chicken thigh or a pork chop or something like that. And fill the skewer overlapping the uh, pieces of that meat and you do a quick little marinade something simple and then grill it on the grill like that and if you if you want vegetables too make skewers with just vegetables on it jj who, sorry where do you think where do you think the the, the 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 advertising wizards are who thought of let's put five different things on a skewer that cook all differently and sell it to morons like where as don king once said only in america but like wh- why would anybody do that? You know, this whole country is based on marketing, Gav, and like it's so it's so directly related to just so many of our our issues. Is you know we're we're sold a bill of goods every day in our life, and it takes hopefully until you reach a certain uh, certain middle age before you realize like, oh my god, this is all bullshit. <laughs> and, and skewers are part of the bullshit. The kebabs are part of the bullshit. Like I've been, you know, I worked, in, I made my living making commercials for like a dozen years. Yep. And you listen to the meetings and the the, um, the sidebars that occur that make the choices that end up on the commercials that create the uh, the consumer culture uh, one brick at a time that we live in. And these people that are making these choices. Their motivation is not exactly nefarious. It's usually based on like what looks best, what uh, pops, what represents the product the best, what shows a, um, a person living a great life because of the product. Um, mm-hmm. They often they're not like basing it on any sort of expertise. So somewhere along the line in American culture, uh, the the nice colors of the of the kebabs um, with mm. the different things on it yeah. became and they're also all dry like i mean come on it's insulting <laughs> I, I once had a commercial i was working on a lowe's campaign and i was working on the product end where you you help procure all the product through local lowe's stores yep. to fill the commercial with the seasonal products that is coming up so it's really challenging to find product for the summer season when you're in winter when they're shooting the commercials yeah, so you got gotta it fan out all over the county and it's this huge convoluted process but um we had an actor who was uh coming up the driveway with his buddy to help his friend uh build a deck and you know he's an actor he he looks he looks the part he doesn't know how to carry a tool bag uh he and and then the the men that work in the agency who are trying to make a, a choice they don't know how to tell him to carry it he's carrying it like a purse and one of them says um well, like, I mean, how does a man carry a tool bag? And I said, well, uh, you know, just give me the thing. And you just carry it. And I just grabbed it. I'm like, you don't think about it. You don't pose with it. You just carry your tools from the foot of the driveway to the backyard. Like, you don't. Yeah. There's no pose to it. You know, you just grab <laughs> it. Like, All right, great. Carry it like that. And that's a fine example of, like, when people talk about Madison Avenue and ad agencies and everything. These are the people that are making these ads for you. They're completely out of touch with um, real life. They don't do stuff. They don't, you know, they, they often realize that they haven't spoken 
in like an hour. So they have to come up with some really smart idea to justify their existence. And that's what ends up showing up on the screen. And that's how you end up with kebabs that have got five different types of items with five different cook times on them. That's fair. And so I think for everybody out there, and again, kebabs are a microcosm. You know, if you buy kebabs a few times and you realize that at least three-fifths of it, of the five ingredients, aren't cooked right, think about how that applies to everything else that you're doing in life, you know, in terms of things that you're buying and being sold. Because it's a pretty good chance that if you don't try to take the, uh, you know, the, the supersized value meal of life every single time, you'll do better. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, if you go to, like, an Armenian restaurant or a Japanese yakitori, <clears throat> you, you're getting served, like, the most delicious shish and kebabs and skewers that Ever. money can buy. They're, yeah. they're, they're tended by thousands of years of tradition. Yes. And they are not popping a button mushroom in the middle of it. <laughs> Take your button mushrooms and put them with the rest of the button mushrooms. and then Let's you, learn from these cultures. Exactly. Let's not, you know, this is one of those instances where a thousand years of, of uh, doing it one way is a really good thing. And maybe in a bit later on we'll get into some other stuff where it's not a good thing. But anyway, with food... Don't put your button mushrooms with your, your friggin' pork. Is that fair? Oh, for sure. Okay, good. That's, that's a hot take from me. The, uh, you know, I'm the producer of this pod. You know, JJ's really the host of this one, Kitchen Quarantine. <laughs> but, you know, from the producer's booth, just, just friggin' put the mushrooms over there and the meat over here on the, on the kebabs. Come on. Okay. Um, let's talk camping. Let's talk camping. I love it. Let's talk open fire cooking. Um, couple hot tips. Things that I've learned over the years. Um, it's romantic to cook over a open fire that you um, tended and created cooking coals. And maybe you even use, like, if you're in one of those campsites that has, like, the top of a 50-gallon drum yes. sunk into the dirt with a giant, like, rusty grate that somehow, like, all of our hygiene um, concerns go out the window. You're like, yeah, F it. Let's cook on it. Hmm. Um, like, it's really hard to build a fire for cooking. So if you're going to do that, you've got to show up to the campsite with like triple the amount of wood that you think you need and start that campfire before you even set up your tent. And you have to build like a pilgrims. We are cooking on the fire today, tonight for the rest of our trip. We're going to keep this thing going. The hearth. Fire. It's a hearth. You need the coals, exactly. You need the coals. It's not about the flames. It's about really working on them. I mean, we're talking a several-hour process. Mm. Now, we're going up for one night tomorrow. We're leaving hopefully about 9 a.m. if I can get us out the door, and we're going to drive up there, and we're going to spend about 24 hours in the mountains, and then we're going to come back. I don't have time to be making a hearth. True. All right. So what I'm bringing instead, and I'm going to have a fire, of course, but I'm bringing uh, charcoal briquettes and I'm bringing a little chimney, like the things that you use to fire off a Weber grill. Those are great. And yeah, I'm going to start a fire, but what I'm also going to do is I'm going to make a bed of coals. So there's a huge time saver. And also it gives me consistent, hot, hot heat so that I'm not standing there trying to feed my wife and three-year-old raw meat because everybody's freaking out because they're super hungry because they've been outside all day and everybody's starving 
and the sun's going down and you're realizing you made a really big mistake by being way too ambitious. Camping was a bad um, choice. <laughs> so get your charcoal and have that worked into your thing. Um, so there's my first tip there. Love it. Great tip. Second tip is, is prep. Okay. Like you got to think it through. You got to do your shopping. For instance, for dinner t- uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to, um, I'm, tonight, I'm going to boil some potatoes, some sliced coins of potatoes, until they're almost completely done. I'm going to take them out, drain them, wrap them up in a foil pack with a little bit of garlic and a pat of butter. I'll double insulate the foil, and I'll put it in the fridge, and tomorrow I'll put it in the cooler, and we're on our way. When it comes time to eat tomorrow night, I'm going to literally just throw that on the coals. Perfect. And right? this is what I mean about boiling things or cooking things, braising them ahead of time, and then you just get real aggressive with the heat at the end. I don't have to worry about getting a burned potato with a super hard inside. It's already cooked through. So let's Smart. just jack it up and get that thing done in like 15 minutes on the fire. Um, for the similar reasons, I'm going to do sausage or kebabs. I haven't decided yet. It's just going to be something that can just sit over the fire. If I do get sausages... I'm probably going to parboil them tonight Smart. and get, get them cooked through so that they're cooked and nobody's going to get sick. Put them in the fridge tomorrow for dinner. I'm going to char them up real quick and they're going to be delicious. We're going to have a vegetable like asparagus. We could do a foil pack. We may even do a foil pack. Personally, I hate foil packs for veggies because everything gets super steamy well, and hearty yeah, and everything. Yeah. But I might do it just for consistency and for ease of putting dinner on the table uh, tomorrow night. Um, for breakfast, we're doing overnight oats. We're going to make, like, you know, we're going to make oats tonight, put them in mason jars, and bring them to bring them up there. And on Monday morning, that's our breakfast. Oh, I like it. So I, I'm not going to be worried about, like, starting up the fire and, and, and like, getting the, the stove going and, and, and all these different heat sources and, dealing with the dishes when you're trying to break camp and whatever. Ah, screw that. Uh, I will highly recommend doing bacon on skewers. You ribbon them onto the skewer and just kind of like make like a little lean-to over the fire, over the coals in the fire, and you can just have bacon cook like that. It'd take oh, like 15 minutes. That sounds great, actually. And the little bacon fat's dripping off of it, and it's sparking up, and you're getting little tendrils of smoke that are licking the bacon, and it's crispy around the edges. And oof. If I were going to make eggs, I could make, I could scramble eggs with, like, you know, scallions and ham and cheddar and salt and pepper, put it all in, like, a big freezer bag, um, and put it in the cooler, and then... I, you can dip that into a pot of boiling water, and you can cook the eggs in the Ziploc bag, like a sous vide, basically. Oh, really? And you get a real nice, fluffy, um, well-cooked egg, because you can just check on it. Like, oh, they're not quite done. Oh, they're not, all right, they're pale yellow, they're, they're mostly solid, let's pull them out, let's eat them. Oh, actually, they're a little too gummy, a little too liquid in the inside, seal it back up, put it back Throw in the hot back, water. Yeah. You're not scrubbing dried scrambled eggs out of a frying pan while you're trying to break camp and get everything out of there. Forget that. No, you don't toast. want to be doing that. Two very different chores. Make toast over the fire. Again, just 
put it on a, lean it on something or put it on a skewer. Repurpose your s'mores, you know, marshmallow sticks or whatever. S'mores. Got to have s'mores with a three-year-old, I'm guessing, right? Oh, my God, yeah. And also for, you know, for us older people, well, too. It's, it's an excuse to have them because, like, I mean, the three-year-old's going to want them, but so are you. I mean, no question about it. Um, let me ask you this. Ge- geographically, how far from your from where you're camping was where we were up in uh, Arrowhead Lake last summer? Um, geographically, it's uh, not that far. It's maybe an hour. Same, um, same road, same way to get there in terms of San Bernardino? No, or no? Dif- different, but um, similar uh, mountain ranges. The Angels National Forest, which I believe Arrowhead is a part of. Um, I'd have to look at the map, but sure. it's... Um, it's Angels National Forest, which is the, the largest uh, mountain chain and forest that separates L.A. County from the, the parts unknown in the Inland Empire. And there's a giant valley on either side of that the mountain range. And um, they're really lovely, they're really beautiful up there. And we'll be at about 7,000 feet, which will be um, – its own challenge, but we'll only be there for like 24 hours, so it's not going to be too yeah, hard. No, but. that's awesome. Um, what I was going to ask, if you were going the same way you went to Arrowhead, or is when you leave all of this self-cooking and these breakfast oats, if you were coming down through San Bernardino, were you going to stop at that Starbucks and get yourself a smoothie on the way out of, you know, out of Dodge? Because <laughs> that's what you and I did last year, and it, was, yeah. it, it came in handy. It really did, I and mean, that's definitely not the first time I've stopped at that Starbucks for some morning uh, morning help on the way home. Uh, this will be, we could go that way, I don't think we will. I'll also be using my, my trusty percolator to make some some really awesome coffee oh, uh, yeah, nice. at the campsite, because for me, that's what I'm there for, camping. Half of camping for me is sitting down outside with either a cold or hot beverage depending on what time of day it is yep i totally agree with you on that that's one of the best parts about it i mean i didn't camp last week but i was down at cape cod we had some fire going because it's still relatively chilly at night um every day make some coffee sit on the deck look at the birds look at the water nothing better than being outside having some coffee you know what i mean oh it's so nice and you know i tend to wake up earlier than than my my ladies and uh i go and get that coffee going and i get that like half hour of just you know woodsy silence and i'm sipping my cup of coffee feeling real like real lumberjacky <laughs> and you get to reset your brain a little bit and um you know we've been trapped in the city uh as you know for quite a while and uh there is something to be said about being surrounded by 10 million souls yes and um, I feel that weight uh, floating off of me as we drive um, east or north out of the city. It really, it's a tangible um, uh, feeling, and it just makes me feel good. And I wish that we were just going to go and um, live in the woods for like a month, but um, we're not set for that. But maybe if we had some Wi-Fi, Chloe could work remotely from our campsite, and we could just go and spend the next month in the forest. I'd be thrilled could be good um and and, you know there's a lot of reasons why one would want to right now so let me do this we're at a really good length for a kitchen quarantine uh jj was there anything else marinade camping cookout related that that we really got to stick in on this one 
I, I like it. I think we're at a good spot. Okay, so that's your part 10, Kitchen Quarantine, day 77-ish, 78, 82, whatever JJ's on. I know I'm on 78. Okay, listen, if you want to just get your food fixed and get out of here, good for you all listeners. I would be remiss to not comment on some things politically out there in the landscape right now, so I'm going to. JJ's never shied away from that in the past. In fact, when we, we both used to have commutes to work, uh, on Friday nights, JJ would call me sometimes and just let it rip, and uh, it would be phenomenal radio. So um, for those of you who just got your, ki- your kitchen fixed and you're feeling good, the rest of this could be a bumpy ride. That's your fair warning. Um, and that's what we're going to do. We'll probably try to keep it pretty succinct because we've already done a good a good portion here. But again, I've been remiss. So you've been warned, and thanks for listening. Filibuster Freestyle, and away we go. JJ, yeah. are, are you down to do a little on... The madness happening out in Minnesota and starting, yeah. to, starting to percolate oh, around. Absolutely. So, absolutely. I'm going to say a few things. Uh, I don't want to get too too into it, but so George Floyd's death in Minnesota, completely senseless, inexcusable, and unfortunately way too commonplace in this country. And I don't have a lot of other comments on that tonight because I'm actually hoping to bring in Twin Cities native. And friend of the show, Abe Waldeslassi, to discuss what's going on in his native Twin Cities. Um, it, it's also, you know, he's he's definitely on the ground there. And so I'll, I'll put it that way. I'm going to save a lot more comments on that. But what happened to George Floyd and, and to so many others, inexcusable, and I'm not going to be silent about it. And I don't think anybody else should either. Uh, JJ, what, what do you got there? Well, if anything, not to force I you mean, to talk geez, about it. Where do you even start? Like, it just—it's it, just so like I'm just so bleeping tired of this crap. I'm so tired of like watching relatively mundane accusations or crimes being punished by public execution. I'm so tired of the same tropes and arguments that people are using in favor of this type of behavior. I'm tired of the of the call to arms with the slacktivism with the likes and the Facebook posts and like the memes. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired of it's it all. It's exhausting and on the soul. And it's- I think that like we're being so manipulated and it just breaks my heart to see how stupid people are. They refuse to see the forest through the trees. Yeah. They, like, who stands to benefit in an upcoming presidential election more from a race war? The person who won the last one based on a race war. Yes. The Republican Party has been putting whites against others since like the 60s and that's as far as my rough uh, knowledge of the topic goes it probably goes back even farther than that in terms of party well that's when it that's when it flipped actually actually jj real quick that's when it flipped because back in the day democrats Democrats were all southern right and um when lbj famously started all kinds of civil rights legislation you know he was a texan he pulled it off, but basically Republicans became Democrats and Democrats became Republican over the ensuing 50-plus years. We've just... We keep taking the bait. And you see 
you know, like it's just it's so stupid and mundane and the 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 the, the way that these right wingers and bots online are justifying this behavior and it's it like how dumb are we to even engage with these people mm. like just stop okay and you know something with the with the riots and the protests like you saw the video of the clearly a cop or like an agent all in black with the umbrella and the $300 police issued gas mask going out and starting the complex psychological, the crowd psychological chain of events that leads to a riot by walking up to windows and smashing with a hammer. Right. He had, he had all the gear. the hell out of there. He had all the gear. He was there to walk in with all kinds of anonymity and protection in terms of gear, professional issued gear. He was smashing up an auto zone's windows, like, like, do, 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 smash, 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 smash. People were, people were walking up to him being like, what are you doing? And as he realized he was being videotaped, that's when he got a little upset. And then he realized that would be even worse. And he walked away with an umbrella on a sunny day. He had all the gear. He didn't steal anything. He was just trying to incite the chaos. Exactly. And that's what happens in these things. And like, if that guy got caught that time, think of how much that's been done. I mean, it's a standard maneuver by these people. Like, they're like, wow, this protest is like super peaceful, but it's going on too long. But there are some people who are getting a little rowdy. Let's go smash some windows and, like, fire off a couple gunshots in the air and get everybody, turn them into a pack of rabid dogs. Okay. I'm reading accounts of, like, wood piled up outside of businesses and, like, police, the police station. Like, they want them to burn it. They want these images to be online. They want these images and this chaos to be on the news so that people can paint the protesters as others. I'm so tired of us all being, like, turned into others. Like, we're not operatives. I don't work for the Democratic Party. I don't work for some, like, global cabal of progressivism, okay? I'm just a guy who's trying to live my life and protect my family and feed my family, and I really don't want to deal with this crap politically. I don't want to have to have an argument with everybody I bump into on the Internet who's got a different opinion than me and end up hating each other because, like, Wait, remember when we didn't talk about politics all the time, Gavin? Remember when you didn't know what that dipshit you went to high school with thought about every little nuance of the political spectrum? <laughs> yes. Like, who cares? Like, why do you think you're so damn smart? Why do we think that we're so, like, you know, important that our opinion matters so much about this crap? Just pay your bills on time. Be nice to people. And, like, stop acting like other people are different than you. Yeah. Like Mexicans are just people that are trying to make their life better and they're just trying to have a good time, have some laughs. Like if you've ever seen like some a Mexican family's two year old's birthday party, it goes on till like four o'clock in the morning. They're having a great time. They, there's like the kids long asleep. They, they got music on. They're having beers. They're having a cookout. Like what is that any different than like. You know, like, what anybody else wants to do with their family and their friends. This, like, and the Republicans have started, the right wing, the forces of divisiveness have, like, it's been communists, it's been socialists, it's been gays, it's been pinkos, it's been, you know, Democrats, it's been liberals. So that's always been the black man. It's always the black man. He's the boogeyman in our culture. And it's fear. And it's inadequacy. 
and it's playing on the the fears of the of the white man who isn't like a good enough of an athlete and has sexual fears and is like just they're just tweaking on the most primal fears of also making the white man feel like they are superior because that's the only way that they continue can continue to get their support to pass more tax cuts for the wealthy, less regulation, less um, less corruption laws, anti-corruption laws, less federal government oversight. The only way that they can continue to push this stuff through is to make the white man feel like they're a little bit better than someone that looks a little different than them. And they've been test marketing cruelty. They put children in cages. They make up conspiracy theories about children that are getting massacred in their schools. And they, they, they make it so we have no empathy for each other anymore. We don't care anymore. Right. And, and we used to give a shit. We had 3,000 Americans die on 9-11. We had a national decade of mourning. We started wars. We spent trillions of dollars to avenge this attack on us. And we've had 100,000 people die largely because our government refused to acknowledge the reality of the situation due to their own hubris and their own arrogance. And 100,000 people are dead. Right. And we're barely even blinking. We're losing thousands of people a day. And nobody's even blinking. They're just like, wow. I mean, how do you even wrap your head around that kind of loss? Yeah, well, how do you, you know, even begin to put your fingers on it? Right. By, except by saying, well, they're old people, others. They are... Uh, people with uh, underlying health conditions, others. They are uh, diabetics, others. There are people with like really bad asthma, others. Not me, not me. Right. Not we're making, me. we're They're making, blacks. yeah, we're making the They're excuse, poor. yeah, we're making the excuse to, we're giving license to not have empathy. And it's, you know, I, I'll close with this and we can go as long as you want, but, you know, until people who have some level of privilege, whether it's the color of their skin, how much money they have, both uh, acknowledge that there are two Americas in terms of justice and safety for our citizens, until we speak up and try to protect the rights of the most vulnerable populations, it's going to get worse. And it's time, you know, at some point, and I think a global pandemic and being the epicenter of it is a great time to start. It starts with empathy and, and not thinking of somebody as an other and starting to think about going back to the, the friggin' kebabs that Jeremy man, mentioned 20 minutes ago. There's no reason to buy those, but they shove them down your throats. There's no reason to buy the same tropes of divisiveness, but they keep shoving it down people's throats. Wake up. It's, it's not, we don't have to live like this. Exactly. And we don't have to just repeat what we're told. We don't have to watch the news. You know what you do when you watch the news? You know, it's a funny thing, Gavin. We talk about all the problems that are in our society. And I'm not advocating for a move to full-blown socialism or communism or anything like that. I don't want that at all. Right. Okay? But you know what never gets discussed on the cable news that I never watch anymore? You know what never gets discussed on local news? for sure, and rarely even in print, even for the most left wing of rags and the, the you know, newspapers are being accused of like being the forces of communism and socialism and I mean bullshit. I've sworn a lot on this podcast, sorry. But the like what you never hear them discuss is the evils of a capitalist society and how that is responsible for so many of the issues that we have. 
the entire system of capitalism is based on marginalizing cheap labor, selling people products they don't need, spending money all the time, living in a boom-bust economy, throwing good money after bad, vulture capitalists coming in, destroying, like, looting stores, but, you know, you got to do it legally and appropriately. Looting, you know, right, what's the, difference, what's the difference between blowing up Sears from the inside and gutting every employee and every site and every job? There's an actually, stealing everybody's pensions and health cares. Right. Like, and again, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I don't, none, none of us are here to talk, especially on the back end of a food podcast. We're not here to talk about everybody's got to be, you know, Bolsheviks and, and the Russian Revolution and communists because that's where I think what we're just saying is like, stop believing this, the, 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 the centuries old hype of that everybody's different than you and that you can't succeed if they do. Because guess what? Human rights is not like a pie. If I get mine and Jeremy gets his and someone else gets theirs, it's not like someone doesn't get a piece of the pie. Everybody can have the same rights if we, if we get our heads out of our collective rears. Society is a shade of gray, Gavin. Correct. And this whole thing functions on a black and white um, system. There's Democrats and there's Republicans. There is capitalism and its raw, unfettered, late-stage phase that it's in right now. And then there's the Bolsheviks. Well, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, everything happens in the middle. common sense regulation. You can have a national pride and national identity in something that isn't based on just pickup trucks and flag waving and firearms. And then if we had a national identity and a national pride, then we would take care of each other and we would be proud of our government's response to things. My brother is in Australia now. He's essentially trapped in Australia. Mm. Now... He has permanent residency, but he went back to Australia at the very beginning of this to start another company and to sort out some more citizenship stuff for him and his daughters and his his wife. If he leaves Australia, he can't come back unless he goes on a repatriation flight, and it's this huge thing. So he's basically now lives in Australia. Wow. He was telling me about this, like, he's like, I have a lot of pride for the way the Australian government has handled this. We have, like, 500 known cases of coronavirus we just hit our 100th death. Um, we're, they're, they're starting to um, open up um, travel between uh, New Zealand and Australia, and they're, they're looking to slowly phase in more countries that are handling this in an intelligent and methodical manner. Sure. Um, which does not include us. No, of course not. <laughs> um, but, like, once we've lost, we've lost the thread because we've all been divided up into blacks and browns and whites and rich and poor and students and Californians and West Coasters and coastal elites and flyover states and country people and rednecks. And like, <clears throat> we don't like, it's like voting against aid for Hurricane Sandy when you're a, a congressman from Houston. And then suddenly you need aid for your country, for your for Hurricane Maria and you need it. Right. And, and people in New York are like, yeah, absolutely. Because when you're in a city, you have to deal with people of different cultures, and you're forced to look at people that look differently than differently than you, and have relationships with them. And even just passing, like on the street or in public transportation, you have to deal with each other. And when you live in these little enclaves where you can be just like told that like your way is just a little bit better than everybody else, and you understand it, and nobody else gets it, then this is where you end up with. We're yeah. all completely divided. 
We have no national response. We have no leadership from the top. And they're doubling down on it, tripling down on it. And we may not even get an election, Gavin. And if we do get an election, it may be completely a fiasco. This might be the beginning or the continuation of a coup. Okay? The one thing that makes me feel a little bit better about it is the rapid pace at which the Republican senators are shoving judicial nominees down the throats of our of our government because it shows that they may actually be a little bit scared. Yeah, maybe they want to get it. Thing. Maybe they want to get it over with, right? Like they want to get everybody in by November and then say, okay, like we we can't do we can't do four more years. They're like we're gonna get we're gonna get hammered in November because I do want to point out it's completely in the bag. I, so they're getting all those judges in now because they plan on losing the election. Well, and that will, you know, that will help a little bit. But like what what people other than this Republican Party in its current poisonous form need to do, and I don't even care if it's another form of the Republican Party, but what other people need to do right now in this country is win elections and a lot of them in a row. That's the only thing that's going to churn this over is if the public consensus grows and starts moving in a different direction and these people that are a small percentage being amplified by bots on the internet these people need to be marginalized and their opinions need to be thought of as a shameful past of this country mm. we need one election after another you got to vote for dog catcher you got to vote for city clerk you got to vote for mayor you got to vote for school board and you got to vote every time over and over and over again until this stuff is something to happen to guess what other people even though it's us we're living in it we're in it but only way out of it is multiple election cycles maybe like five six seven eight right terms right presidential elections like let's just get away from the poison i don't care what letter is next to your name let's go with so little taste of reality before we're all wearing tracksuits and flashing ak-47s totally fair and totally, totally right on. And I don't know if we can ever get there, which is really sad. And again, I'm, I'll just close with, again, everybody, it's time to speak up. Even if you're afraid you're going to lose friends or lose your job, if you don't protect the most vulnerable people in our population, you are not. That ain't it. You got to do it. You got to step up. You gotta, if you have something to lose, all the better. You've got to step up. You've got to protect vulnerable people. You can't, you can't pretend it doesn't happen anymore. Period. And why do you think they attack anybody who's got any charisma that has a voice at all? Why do you think they lamp through it would, it would, anything? It would get people fired up in a good way. It would get people to change. Exactly. Exactly. Or it might get people to change their viewpoint a little bit. Like, think about, like, the, the advances made in, like, racial opinions because of, like, the, you know, the work of, like, Richard Pryor. No question. Like, like think about, like, you know, like, um, Chris Rock or... Eddie Murphy, like their comedy, Dave Chappelle, like the even, you know, for all of his disgustingness, the work of Bill Cosby on our on our national airwaves. Like, yeah, well, let's call it this way. How about this? How about this? How about this? Call it it, like you (laughs) call it Cliff Huxtable. Cliff Huxtable's work. (laughs) The fictional character. Great. Right. Not so much. Bill Bill Cosby, not not just proven, not a good guy. But Cliff Huxtable. Yes, I totally agree. And just trying to split hairs there with the fictional character and the show did a ton to help bridge a gap, right? And to expose our sameness. And Look at Will and Grace and what that did totally. for, gay, for gay rights in this country. It made it feel like, oh, you know what? These people are, they're wacky and zany and just like us. Which at the end of the day is the truth. 
like, what do you want in your life? You want to, like, have, like, a comfortable life. Most people are not ever hungry billionaire monsters who need to suck up all the resources and, you know, count all their money right. and be like, ha, 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 I got it all. Right. Most people are just, they just want like a nice TV, a comfortable couch, a car with the air conditioning that works. They want a family that they still love, that loves them. They want to have some barbecues. They want to like, that's have it. like a nice Thanksgiving dinner, you know, like, I mean, and they want to have some beers, yeah. smoke a little bit of weed with their buddies. Like they don't, want it all and guess what jj just, that's not communism that's just called living a good life i just want to go on vacation once twice a year like i mean come on man like what are we doing why are we fighting over stupid crap left and right God. well so yeah and, we can all agree that um you know an innocent man being killed people are like well uh you know if you can say that you can't breathe then you can breathe like, the guy's dead. He was asphyxiated. Right. There's no... Yeah. Okay? Like, what are you even opening your mouth for? Yeah. There's, there's no there's no walk back on that, folks. Don't... don't again, people are trying, and they're not going to listen to me, but there's no walk back on that. He asphyxiated. It's not like he, like, he was put in custody, arrested, released, and was like, I was being abused by the police. I could not breathe. I was feeling, you know, like I was going to suffocate, and he survived. And then these, um, you know, these... These regurgitators can come up with these lines to excuse the the abuse by the police officer. What we're dealing with is a man that is dead. Totally. He was choked. He he did not survive his encounter with the police over something that he was accused of, which wasn't even true. And again, I don't care if he wrote a bad check or passed a bad bill. The punishment for that is not death. America is not not public execution. Absolutely. And that apathy. And this is where it all comes down to. We have no empathy left. We have we don't have enough of it because the cops, if they weren't white power nationalists before they became cops and they're trying to do the right thing, they're trying to be good cops. Every day they go to work, they're dealing with every butthead and every jabroni that's got some sort of conversation for them. They're running some game. They're lying to them. They're showing them the worst of human behavior left and right because of the relationship between police and citizens. So all day, every day, they're dealing with, guess what? Others. Okay? And so they reach this point of apathy where you have your your knee on a man's neck. And he's saying, I can't breathe. Please help me. Everything hurts. I can't breathe. And you're like, F this dude. Mm-hmm. This guy's a bad guy. This guy, I don't care if he can breathe or not. And that's where we're reaching as a, as a psychological point in this nation where there's a lot of people that don't care anymore. They don't care about their fellow man. They don't care about children being separated from their parents forever. For nothing and put in cages with space blankets they don't care about these other humans because they're others and if we started giving a damn about each other and we started looking at each other as just other mammals who are looking to live a little bit of a life we may actually get through this thing that's well said we're gonna end it there um this this conversation doesn't end and hopefully Hopefully at some point we don't just keep having the same conversation and it actually does get better to what JJ just said. JJ, great work earlier on the food podcast portion, uh, not to take you back to that moment of levity relative to the last you know bit here, but as always, man, cook good, quarantine, kitchen quarantine. Week 11 is probably only six days away um, because we are probably still going to be in quarantine. Yep. 
Uh, some modification of it. Restaurants open uh, today in L.A. County, or they're allowed to if they follow certain things. We got sushi for takeout last night. There you go. It was glorious. Oh, my God. <laughs> I bet so it, I, oh, man, I bet it was. That's fantastic. Well, hey, enjoy the trip camping. Get some rest. Get some, you know, clear the old head. Enjoy that, you know, fire pit, coffee, the hearth, all that good stuff. Hope you guys have a great, safe trip up there. Thank you. All right.